Welcome everyone, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. And God's blessings to you this day as we continue on in our study of Ephesians chapter 2 uh, verses 13. And today we're going to go all the way through uh, verse 18. Ephesians, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 verses 13 through 18. And thank you for joining us here this day. I hope all is well with you. And just a side note, uh, if you ever need uh, another sermon, another study, another devotion, another catechetical moment, uh, another instruction of any kind, please go to faithmorepark.com, faith, M-O-O-R-P-A-R-K.com. Also, uh, continue on our YouTube channel. Uh, there, uh, click in and subscribe and, and see all the resources that you can use. And I always tell people, you know, just turn it on as you're, you know, if you're, if you're in the middle of something, just have it on, hear a sermon as you're, uh, as you're preparing something or as you're folding something or as you're going throughout the day, I'll put it on the radio in your car, just use all the resources for your own good. And, and I pray that it may all go well with you. So anyways, uh, again, uh, thank you for joining us here at Faith Moore Park in, uh, in sunny Southern California. And um, it's so, uh, I'm so glad that you are tuning in with us today. All right, why don't we begin uh, before we study God's word with a prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, without your help, our labor is useless. And without your light, our search is in vain. Invigorate our study of your holy word, that by due diligence and right discernment, ourselves and others in your holy faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, last week we talked about uh, uh, by grace through faith, not of your own work, but that this is a gift from God, that you are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Right? We talked about the law, the third use of the law, of the law for Christians as a ruler, as a guide on how to do that horizontal relationship um, with our neighbor. Right? God doesn't need our works. Our neighbors do. And therefore, we should walk in God's law um, in the how to love and serve as the joyful, redeemed gospel children of God in his grace. All right. So now St. Paul in the following, as we concluded last week, we talked about uh, how St. Paul now is really bringing everyone back to the same playing field, right? No one has the advantage, not the Jew, nor the Gentile, um, that everyone is equal, right? Now, the question is, uh, as we see here, if you have your Bible out, which I encourage you to do, have your Bible out as we read through this. Um, verse 11 and following, we see St. Paul doing what? He is showing them where they once were, right? Where they once were as they were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, as we see in verse 12, that they were strangers of the covenant of the promise. Verse 12, again, outsiders, right? And thus having no hope and without God in the world. That is their status, right? But verse 13 changes it all. Verse 13. But now, 
Right? There is, uh, as we see right now in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, spatial, far off, Gentiles, not simply the, <laughs> you know, it's not a, a simple vicinity type thing per se, but really, um, even more so, it, it's, it's about faith, right? Uh, it's about being separated from God. Um, it's about um, knowing full well that in that state of unbelief, there the word was given, and there the but now, the gracious conjunction, kind of that game changer, right? That our Lord brings. But now, noon. Brought. You were brought far to near. See that? But now you were who were once far off were brought near. Brought near. How? How were you brought near? By the, what does it say right there? Blood of Christ. Grace language right here, right? We were spiritually dead, enemies of God, children of wrath, as we see in uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. And, and now we see how they were brought near. This wasn't their decision. This wasn't their ability. For we know their status in their flesh, as St. Paul has clearly shown us uh, where they were. But by the grace of God, they were brought in. How? By the blood of Christ. This Sunday we celebrate, or last Sunday, whenever you're listening to this, uh, or whenever you may be listening to this, uh, we are celebrating good, good, the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, right? And ultimately, he lays down his life for the sheep. And that is shedding his very body and blood so that we may be brought near, brought near, you know, as it reads in uh, Hebrews 10, 22 to 23, if you could uh, flip there real quick. It says right here, we, we talk about uh, 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 spatial language or, or location. And it says, let us draw near with a true heart and the full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us draw near. Now that's, that's not our ability, right? It's because of the blood of Christ that, well, we, we can in full confidence and boldness, covered by the blood of Christ, sprinkled clean, right? Sprinkled clean by his very blood. Also in the waters of holy baptism, there we know how we were near or how we are with God, all by being brought from far to near, from separation to oneness, from this chasm uh, that is of the fall of sin to being reconciled with God by the reconciliatory work of Christ, by his blood, that we are brought near with clean hearts that we have a peaceable conscience, that we are washed, robed with Christ's righteousness, 
um, uh, connected uh, to Christ's death and resurrection, Galatians 3, Romans 6, right? That we are saved and declared righteous in front of God. Uh, Go rise and be baptized and and you shall be saved, right? And wash away your sins. Um, The Noah's flood, right? Corresponding to Noah's flood, 1 Peter 3. Uh, That we have a good conscience by the resurrection of Christ, Right? So all this stuff, when we, when we talk about uh, where uh, the, the Gentiles had come from and now how they were brought near is a very important thing because this is all about the grace of God. Um, and we see that right here uh, in verse 13. Okay, um, therefore, as we see this as a, a concluding thought in verse 13, we draw near... Uh, by the word made flesh. And that is the key. All right, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So when we talk about he himself is our peace, but now far off, Brought near, what is the result by the blood of Christ? As we see right here, clean, washed away sins, peaceable conscience, holy baptism, of course, washing of uh, this rebirth, this regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now we see he himself is our peace. Now, what does that mean? Is that a feeling? Is that uh, an inkling? Is that an aura? Is that just like butterflies in the stomach? Is that just watching a serene ocean or a lake and saying, oh, that is peaceful? No, this, this peace is far surpassing than anything of this world because this peace is outside of yourself and that is the blood of Christ. Now, why is this important in terms of the context of Ephesians? Because when we look at the Jews and Gentiles, what their aim, uh, their dividing wall of hostility is, uh, yeah, you are part and you are a part. You are a part. Sorry, that doesn't make sense. You are a part of Israel. Uh, you are with Israel. You are in Israel. You are the chosen people of Israel. And you Gentiles are far off. And you know the Israelite. I mean, you know the Jews. They, they right here were doing what? They were following all the laws, right? The commandments, of course, the, the ceremonial laws, the, the, the food laws, the dietary laws, the ordinances, the worship practices, uh, the feasts and the festivals and all these things, trying to keep up with that very law, 600 plus, all for the sake of trying to prove or to stay in, right, this holiness, this, uh, this identity uh, as the children of Israel, right? And as we know it, when Jesus came and says, it is finished, or as it says in, uh, before his resurrection in, in John 14, and also after his resurrection um, in John 20, peace be with you, right? Even on, as we talked about last week, uh, on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, peace be to you, or peace to you, right? That peace is in his blood, that is your forgiveness, that is your peace. Um, And not only in his blood, but also in his resurrection, right? 
So in his resurrection, we very well know that we have true peace because I love it. John 14, John 20, before and after. He says, peace, right? Before I go to the cross, peace, show you my marks. Here it is. Peace be with you. Your peace is outside of yourself. It's not in the Gentiles. It's not in the Jews. It's not what they bring to the table, but it's what is, has been brought to them as they were brought near. Grace language, you know, this uh, passive uh, language, uh, this reception language of the one true faith, this extra nose language is outside of ourselves, afuera language. You know, this is, this, is, um, this is what we're talking about with peace, right? Is that it is outside of ourselves and there uh, St. Paul is reminding them it's not about you, right? When Jesus came to die and rise, uh, when Jesus instituted uh, a baptism and the supper, this is not what you do. This is what has been given to you. And therefore, when we talk about peace, this is not something that you're trying to attain, per se. The world is, of course. But for us as Christians, this is the, uh, the understanding in this one true faith that the object of peace is Christ. That is, he is the one who has uh, uh, delivered the goods to us uh, by his word and sacrament. Sacrament is gospel. Sacrament is gospel. Say that with me. Sacrament is gospel. They all, by the God's institution in Jesus Christ, work in his command and promise. God to man. God is working. Man is receiving in the one true faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there we have peace. Even when things are crumbling around us, even when the world is crumbling around us, even when the circumstances just don't seem like we could say we have peace, Remember, Jesus is your peace in what his work has brought to you. And for the Jews and Gentiles, this is, again, we talked about this the other week, about the understanding of original sin. If we know who we are, if we know what we were born into, right? Uh, Psalm 51, right? Rings a bell. Right? Genesis 3, of course, the fall. Rings a bell. Romans 3, Romans 5, ring a bell. Romans 7, right, rings a bell, right? All these reminders, Ecclesiastes 7 rings a bell, right? Isaiah 64, 6 rings a bell. Um, what else? Uh, all these verses remind us clearly that no matter what we do, our sin is that, our sin condition is so depraved that, uh, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you both need the same thing, right? You know, I always say it uh, uh, to, to my uh, church members here at Faith in Moore Park. You know, the reason why we take communion in a sense of when I see a married couple come up to take communion together, why I say their names together is to remind them that their oneness is not because they like the same color or they like their humor or they just get along. It's because their rootedness, their root is Christ, their root is the forgiveness of sins. Their, their reconciliation is always going to be Christ and what he has done. And likewise, for the Jew, understanding that we are both sinners, spouse and husband, two spouse, they're, they're both sinners and, and they both need a savior. They both need forgiveness. Right? That's, the, that's the level playing field. And for the Jew and Gentile, it's the same. One, one thought they were superior over the other. The other was the outsider. I mean, where is the equal playing field here? When Jesus came and finished it, there they were made what? It says right there. One. 
right? He is both man as one and broken down in the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Again, the Gentiles, I know I'm speaking fast here, but the Gentiles, uh, they, you know, when we talk about their part of the temple, they weren't allowed. They weren't allowed. And they would always be on the outside looking in. And when we talk about the wall of hostility, I think twofold. The wall of hostility. We see um, on the surface, on the context, this hostility with Jew and Gentile, with being in and being out, which is a great hamburger place out here in the West Coast. You have it so much that you get tired of it, in and out. Anyways, but you have those that are in and those that are out. And there was this kind of this, this schism, this, this division, right? Um, but even more so, when we talk about hostility, again, we look at it and the peace that bring, God gives. We very well know that the reality of sin has brought hostility to this world. That in our flesh we find our own hostility. And that is broken down. They need a reconciliation, that oneness. But also, God and man also need that reconciliation. And that is all by the peace that God brings together by his life-redeeming work in his death and resurrection. Right. So when we, when we speak of uh, this dividing wall of hostility, uh, this is what... Jesus has brought to the table because he needs to bring his work of salvation to the table. No one else, not Jew, not Gentile, can fulfill that, right? Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it, right? As we see right there um, in Matthew uh, 5. But here we see, um, what do we see? Let's, let's continue on here. Yes, that he might create in himself one new man, Wait, did we, already, did we already read that already? No, we didn't. Okay, verse 15. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. Again, a, another verse about reconciliation, Jew and Gentile into one, right? In, in any relationship, let's say, uh, what is the bottom line conflict uh, in any relationship? It is usually that uh, we are unable to see past ourselves, Right. Of course, there is many examples of the failure of vocation in loving and serving neighbor, but also that, you know, we, we, we fail to see that we are on the same team, that we both are sinners and that we both need a savior, that we both repent. And, and also at the same time, we both receive or need um, and receive that forgiveness of Christ. And here we see in verse 15, uh, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself. Yes, he came to fulfill the law. And that's what he did in his cross life-saving work. One new man. The old is gone. The new has come, right? Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. In the place of the two, so making peace. Their true peace wasn't in themselves. Their true peace was outside of themselves. And that is where uh, that oneness comes from. And that is Jesus, his reconciling work. Um, anyways, so we see right there in verse 15, verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, when we talk about killing the wall of hostility, um, we very well know, as we look at uh, this word through, 
in verse 16, right? That through the cross, through the cross, this is, as we will talk about very soon, access language, right? Uh, John 14, 6 language, uh, the way, right? Mediator language, advocate language. But when we talk about the wall of hostility, when we talk about uh, uh, what was separating or the tension between Jew and Gentile, it is all through the cross to which the blood of Christ through the cross, through the blood, through his death, through his resurrection, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the mediator, the advocate, the one who speaks on account of us, the one who works on account of us, that by his very own merits through the cross. What does it say right there? Um, There that hostility is killed, put away. And when hostility is killed, there is peace. Right, I, I think what we what we talk about through the cross right here. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's all it's always the looking glass of faith that looks through the filter of the cross, right? Like I always, you know, as a pastor, you're always listening to people. Like that's what I do. I don't like talking. I know I talk a lot during these videos, but trust me, if you knew me. Uh, I'm pretty mellow. Uh, well, no, when I preach, I'm kind of into it. But the point is, is that when I'm in those pastoral situations, I'm just listening. I'm listening carefully. And, and that's an art, by the way, listening to people. Like, it, it's just, you, you really got to be boom, antennas up, focused and listening and fixated on every word. And, and that's very important because, you know, I want to see how they're doing, right? Of course. But if someone is, let's say, for example, hypothetically, uh, pointing the finger at everyone else and saying, why aren't they like that? Why aren't they doing good? Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they doing good? And just kind of on that self-righteous kick, um, it makes me wonder what their own faith is all about, right? What, what their faith leans on. Because everyone has faith. You know that, right? Everyone has faith. Everyone trusts in something. Oh, it might not be true faith. It might not be right faith. It might be incorrect faith. It might be false faith. But the point is, is that, uh, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Oh, yes, that's right. The, the legalism, right, of someone who is always pointing the finger in their self-righteousness, most likely they probably think their faith is also legalistic as well, right? And when we speak of uh, through the cross, that changes everything. Because it's not about our legalism. It's not about our works for salvation that can atone for our sins. It's only Christ. And that therefore humbles us, right? Brings us to repentance, knowing full well that the true hostility in our carnal flesh, right? That manifests itself in so many different ways in life is the only answer, remedy, is through the cross. All right. Um... Let's continue on here. Um, And he came and preached, verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, right? So far and near. What is this picture about? Jew and Gentile. 
that God's desire is for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That Jesus died not just for some sins, but he died for the sins of the whole cosmos, the whole world, todo el mundo, right? Far and near, that this peace everyone needs, not people who are smug in their works, not people who are despaired by their guilt and shame, everyone needs this unique peace. Just like I preached yesterday, this kind of love, First John chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, right? That by the kind of love that God gives, we are children of God, and so we are, right? And that is the truth, because this preaching of peace is for all people, far and near, right? And that shows us, of course, the character of God, His attributes, that God is love, and His desire, His will, uh, as we pray um, in the petition, Thy will be done, is to break and hinder the devil, right? Um, as we uh, talk about the will of God, your salvation, um, the will of God, your sanctification, uh, the will of God in, in Apostles' Creed, Article 1, that He guards us from all spiritual danger and protects us, all out of his fatherly divine goodness without any merit or worthiness in me. Right? So we see our Lord's uh, great uh, uh, grace as he brings us in, as he protects us, as he covers us by his blood and forgives us, as he crushes the devil's head. All the chaos and noise that he brings, he grants us his peace as we live in the still water and the, the verdant green pastures um, under his heavenly care as he is our good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Right? All right, two more minutes. We're going to try to keep these briefer than usual. All right, verse 18. Are we on verse 18? Yes. Um, of course. Oh, that's right. Acts 1.8, when we're talking about far and near, uh, that they were called the apostles to preach, Right? Uh, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses, Acts 1.8. And this is the call of the church, to preach, Luke 24, repentance and forgiveness. Not just any repentance, but based on and in the word of God repentance, right? To show the true brunt of the law, but at the same time give the people, the world, the proclamation of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, the full work of Christ that he has finished it, right? Um, I can get on in a tangent here, but I won't in lieu of time. But why don't we close here with verse 18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That this oneness in the spirit is through the access point, and that is Christ. Right? No longer is it about what they, like, it's like going through a toll booth. You pay the money, the thing goes up, and you drive through, right? Um, and it's not about that anymore. Jesus is the one who gives you that entrance, gives you that way all by his grace through the cross. Verse 18, through him, Right? And again, 
Where St. Paul is trying to bring them to is this place of unity. Not only understanding the reality of their sin, how depraved they are, how separated they are, but that in that state of sin, it is only Christ for both Jew and Gentile and also for you and your neighbor. Right? So what we talk about this life of faith, remember, friends, as we conclude this day, the tension is there with the Jew and Gentile, but what unifies them is not nothing that they have done, but it's only Christ and what he has done, his blood. And that's what unifies the church, right? The word of God, the truth of God's word, not what we want to pick out of it or what we believe is true, but what his word says, that is where our unity is. And ultimately at the end of the day, through all things, through the law, through the gospel, there will always prevail the Christ. And what he has done as the true cornerstone. May this be uh, well with you this day. I hope uh, that um, this goes well with you today. And and, and as you study this, um, I pray that you'll see how God is working. And the gracious reconciliation that he brings to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. I need grace. You need grace. Your neighbor needs grace. I need forgiveness, you need forgiveness, your neighbor needs forgiveness. I'm a sinner, you are a sinner, your neighbor is a sinner. And we all need the same peace, and that is Christ and his work, his blood, the cross, the empty tomb, the sacraments. That is where our peace is. That is our reconciliation with God, and that is also our oneness in this fellowship in Christ Jesus. Devil's always working, my friends. Always trying to tear you apart from that reality. Doubting this trust, doubting this truth, and turning you from God as he tries to make you your own God. So study the scripture. Dwell upon what it means far and near. Also the reality of through, access point, um, peace, oneness, all these themes throughout those five verses that we study today. If you have any questions, please comment down below. Um, email me, call me, text me. Let's talk, right? All right, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Bless us and sanctify us in your word. Thank you, O Lord, for being the gracious through that you are the access point that by your blood redeemed us and has given to us the forgiveness of sins. Bless us in your word, knowing full well that the wall of hostility has been broken down by your work upon the cross. Lead us, guide us, and always by your grace and your spirit, sanctify us in your truth. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, friends, God's blessings to you all. Have a wonderful day. And until next time, God bless you. And adios. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.
Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.